to find their seats. Everyone find their seats. Because I know you could do this all day. Hallelujah. Well, good monumental morning to all those here and all those who have joined us online. Welcome. Wow. Do you believe this phenomenal background? Hallelujah. You know, being under five feet tall myself always makes it tough for people to see me up here. Today I'm competing with monumental. <laughs> so just letting to know, this is me. I'm here. My name is Judy Alvarez. Oh, I guess we do have a cheering team. Praise God. I have called RLC my home for many years, and I'm so blessed that God has planted me in this congregation. I always feel privileged to share the word, and I appreciate the wisdom and experiences of others that I can add into a teaching. The Word for Today devotional has been one of those great resources. And if you have read today's entry, God already set you up for today's message. Hallelujah. The expression to mind is used in many ways. There is mind your manners for as be careful about behavior. Mind your mother as in listen and obey, never mind what he says regarding importance, mind your step, meaning pay attention, mind the children, as in take charge, don't mind their teasing or disregard, call to mind, which is what? Yes, remember. Do you mind? Implies being bothered. Mind your head. Watch out. Or like someone told me, remember to bring your head with you. Can you relate? Yes. And of course, probably the most popular one, mind your business, which means butt out. And everyone said, amen. Yes. This morning, I will talk about this expression to mind in a way that has everything to do with our Christian walk. And I will be talking about minding my mind. See that lady there? John made me do it. John is so wonderful, and I thank him so much for all the work he did. Now, to mind something is the ability to be aware of the world around us and of our own experiences. And a very simple definition of the mind is what helps us think, reason, feel, understand, and remember. I recently came across this significant phrase, which is, change your mindset, change the world. 
But I use it for myself. Change your mindset. Change your world, my world. And this struck me deeply for two reasons. First, I have done this. And second, I need to do this. Now let me explain. I have experienced growth and restoration when I have received correction from God's word or from people who have given me sound advice and have yielded to this guidance. Yet I am very aware of so many life adjustments I still need to make. So I did a double take at this very real statement. Change your mindset. Change your world. We have heard over and over that our minds are a battleground on which the war for our emotions, our God-given purpose, and our perspective on life in general is either won or lost. This image is so revealing in that we see the eyes, the ears, the mouth being covered. This battle pursues mental blindness, mental deafness, and mental muteness. Blocked eyes, blocked ears, blocked mouth. Hindrance, obstruction, prevention of anything going in and coming out. Now to ignore this war or to underestimate its danger can essentially lead to losing it entirely. Rick Warren describes this war as vicious and intense because the mind is one of the greatest assets we have. He also says it's an unfair battle because Satan never plays fair. If you don't believe that you have a real enemy, which was God's enemy first, you are in a very defenseless position to combat his schemes. He does not fight by the rules of engagement like our army in wartime. He has no honor code. He is an adversary and he is an accuser, find it in the word, who longs for you to be ignorant of and become complacent against his insistent attacks. Now, the language of the mind is images, 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 right? A continuous flow of images and ideas are like an ongoing screen, movie screen, that provides pictures and words that can be endless. Some purposeful, some not. What we talk to ourselves generally contains too much self-focused and self-defeating babble. It can sound like this. What a stupid thing to say. A very common put down to self. Did she just ignore me? Shows a little anger and fear that, am I that easily forgotten? I don't get it. This is too hard. I give up as in a syndrome that says, who do I think I am anyway? I'm not enough. I don't have enough. I can't do enough. Cutting, hurting remarks to self. On and on it goes. It can be 
exhausting. Now, our sequence of thoughts has been described as a rambling and unstoppable flood. Interesting fact. It is estimated that we have up to 70,000 thoughts in a day. That's a little exhausted, right? At the end of the day. Letting the mind wander and run wildly without any goal is so harmful. It can actually turn into our biggest enemy. We very much need to learn how to guard and strengthen our minds because the battle against sin always starts up here in the mind. Have you noticed how your mind doesn't always mind? I certainly do. It can be so rebellious. You want to think on something, but your mind goes in the other direction. You want to concentrate on studying for this test, but your mind has better plans for the day. I want to pray, but my thoughts just want to float away. So Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, the main meaning of this verse is about a person who says one thing, although their heart or mind feels or thinks differently. In other words, what a person is in the inside and what they say on the outside doesn't always match up. But sooner or later, it is revealed who this person really is. For as he thinks in his heart, as he thinks, so is he. This verse emphasizes the importance of our thought life. It connects our thinking with our being. I found this really re amazing poster. It says, watch your thoughts, for they become words. Watch your words, for they become actions. Watch your actions, for they become habits. Watch your habits, for they become your character. Watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. What we think, we become. How powerful is that? Joyce Meyer says, what you choose to think about and dwell on this life will make you or break you as to what type of person you will end up becoming in this life. She talks a lot about the stinking thinking that gets and keeps us in a lot of trouble. And, well, in a lot of trouble spiritually, emotionally, in relationships, and even physically. Uh, this stinking thinking has become a mental block that keeps people deep into negative and pessimistic thoughts or to have an unfavorable perspective of themselves and others. Pessimistic thinking can definitely lead to damaging decisions and unhealthy way of life. Jo jo Joyce Meyer continues saying, there was a time I didn't know that I could do anything about my thought life. 
I believed in God and had for many years. But I had no teaching at all about the proper condition of a believer's mind. When I began to study the Bible and became more serious about my relationship with the Lord, I learned that many of my problems, many of my problems were rooted in wrong thinking patterns. Serious stuff. Now, this wrong thinking starts at any age. Pastor Gabe, when he was around eight, was an enthusiastic believer and follower of Popeye the Sailor Man. Now, anyone under 60 may not know much about Popeye, but this cartoon character got his strength from eating spinach out of a can. His muscles would pop up, and he was ready to take on anyone and anything. So little Gabe would ask his mom over and over and over to please buy me spinach in a can. So after a pretty long wait and a few stern warnings, you better eat it all, he got his spinach in a can desire. The taste was awful. But he ate as much as he could because he knew what would happen. He waited and waited and waited, but his muscles never ballooned. All he got was a terrible taste in his mouth and a pretty upset stomach. <laughs> Seriously now, how about the belief of many in the uplifting results of certain substances that will make life so much better? But the real outcome is lots of pain and lots of loss. Wrong thinking. How about the complete confidence that this new relationship, this new job, this new neighborhood is the answer to all of my problems? Only to realize later that God was never in it. When things took turn, a turn for the rest. Confidence in who? Confidence in what? Wrong thinking. Right thinking is very hard. We are surrounded by beliefs and opinions that have so much influence on our thoughts. And many are so misleading. God reveals himself all the time through nature, through his word, through his work in people's lives. But the contradictory messages from our culture blinds people from it. And a surge of misguided education also clouds our view on almost anything. That Christians would form part of this group that are confused among those deceived is the saddest fact. Now, I read about a man riding on a horse frantically, who seemed to have some place really important to be and something really important to do. However, when asked what he was doing in such a hurry, he answered out of breath, that's the horse, not me. It sounded to me like an uncontrolled mind 
controlling a man with no control. Now repeat that. An uncontrolled mind controlling a man with no control. So I agree with Joyce Myers when she says that we need to guard and strengthen our mind because so many of our problems are rooted in what? Wrong thinking patterns. Yes. We know from what we are hearing through Pastor Jeff's latest teaching where he says if you want to change the fruits, you have to change the roots, right? And if you change your thoughts, you can change your world. And as we see, we start changing our world, but this can also change somebody else's world. You know, every tree, for every tree, it's what's under the ground, the roots, that creates what's on the ground, the fruit. We can change a crop that is already far from what we expected. We can, however, provide better conditions for the soil and look forward to a better harvest. That can happen. So you may not like what you're seeing in some of your attitudes or decision-making, so you go back to the root of it. What was I thinking when I made this choice that led me to this failure? Was I in wrong company, in the wrong place, or the wrong mindset? Dig below the surface. Dig inside and take care of the roots, your thoughts. You know, there are people who depend on the outside world for their happiness. And they will not be very happy because you see how the standards for being happy differ from source to source to source. How many of you doing your deep cleaning have found in your basement, your garage, your attic, under the bed, things that at some point you were very persuaded you could not live without? You know, they'll tell you, your life is going to be so much better with this. It will never be the same. Yet today, it could be part of that pile that you have that says, garbage, throw it away. So that's what happens, right? I have been guilty of that. Happiness, better yet, joy, is an inside job. So to change beliefs on the outside... You first have to change your beliefs on the inside or those roots. But if we freely choose to dwell on much around us that is shallow and negative, we cannot blame anyone else, including God himself, with so many times we tend to do. We can't blame him for the consequences. For some, it's just hard work to calm the mind, to give God undivided attention, Others just don't know why they have such unsettling thoughts. What would God have us to do? Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you would... Sorry, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is. 
right? <laughs> and if by any chance you said in your mind, not that old same scripture again. There goes again, that darn mind, right? Let's see this in the message paraphrase. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit it into, that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Wow. And I am highlighting a couple of words from this scripture. We have the word thinking, right? We have the word attention. We have the word changed. And then we have the word well-formed maturity. So this is what God wants to do. We're responsible for the first, our thinking and our attention. God will do the other things, the change and the well-formed maturity in us. Paul says that the crucial element in loving and serving God as he expects from us is, a, is being transformed in our mind. And with that, we have the result of what we read before. Abundant life resulting from thoughts, words, actions, habits, character, and destiny. I can't stress enough how necessary it is to distinguish between a normally indifferent culture and godly truth. Social media, newspapers, televised news, Twitter, Facebook, this and that magazine, reality shows, they have so much to say. How much truth versus how much con? How much of it motivates us to make Significant adjustments spiritually, emotionally. These many, many voices out there may in fact open doors to defeat and confusion. That's why Romans 8.6 says, because for the mind to be given up to earthly things means death. But for it to be given up to spiritual things means life and peace. Awesome. A life-changing issue in those who attend Journey of Recovery is about opening their eyes to their real spiritual and emotional condition, knowing who they are inside, knowing who I am inside. More healing comes in discovering the wrong beliefs which brought them into the place they were when coming into recovery. The focus is turned upward and inward, allowing Holy Spirit to help us to come God like know God like never before and one's true inner self like never before. None of this happens without another member to walk out 
recovery with. Renewing the mind. According to Romans 12, 2 that we read, means understanding life through the inner teachings of Holy Spirit. This means not seeing life through your experience, your traumas, your emotional wounds, your preference, or the many, many, many opinions of others. It's a 180-degree shift toward all of that, up from all of that, to seeing God, God, yourself, others, and the world from a true biblical perspective. And this helps us dismantle or rip to pieces the lies. The lies that the world taught us our entire lives. You know, we have believed so many wrong things in every stage of our life. And this has determined many wrong walks in our life. But you know what the good news is? That there is absolute hope for a born-again mind. We are born again and become new creatures, and then we start the work of renewing our mind in God. Bottom line, we must learn how to develop right thinking. And how does this renewal happen? How do I renew my mind? Well, first of all, we need to know God's word. I'm, I'm already hearing it. Same old, same old remedy. I've heard this all the time. Well, you bet your marbles. It is to know the word of God. Our ABC foundation in our Christian walk never changes, never changes. And that A in the ABC is God's word. This is the only sure way to let go of values and habits that don't agree with God's will. The only way of adopting a new mindset that is built on the truth. How was Job able to stand strong after losing his health, his children, his possessions, and then have his wife and his friends come against him? You know, his most astounding words that absolutely strike my heart was when he said, we bring nothing at birth, we take nothing at death. The Lord alone gives and takes. Praise the name of the Lord. I can only hope that if I find myself in a situation remotely close to Job, I could be as humble and as faithful. But he was able to do this because he knew his God and he trusted his God. And only when the word of God is front and center in our lives can we know God. Capital K, capital N, capital O, capital W, no. So what do, we, what do we do? We read it, we listen to it, we think on it, we memorize it, we study it, we talk about it, we believe it, we live it out. And it's like developing any relationship. It takes time, focus, and patience. 
And the more you do this, the better you understand it and the less boring. You can be honest. Sometimes we're bored when we read the word. The less boring and more familiar it becomes. Instead of you just reading it, it becomes more like hearing Jesus talking to you, talking with you. And I know I have witnesses here today that can say amen to that. So being rooted in the word of God produces a right mindset. And you know there are Bibles for every age and every season in life. There are study Bibles, some geared to men, to women, to teens, to children, to prisoners, to those in recovery. Just meaning that they include questions or testimonies to meditate on or specific, specific portions that are highlighted so they can address particular issues. There are Bibles online, there are study Bibles, there are Bible studies online and all kinds of resources to help you understand it. And there's one that's called the concordance to help you look verses. Uh, you know, for example, you can look up a, script, a scripture that addresses a struggle that you're dealing with. And you can get many. You could write them down. Maybe you want to memorize them. But more importantly, you can stand on them against a struggle that you have. You can say it out to the enemy. You can say it out so you can hear it. You need to hear it too. You can study it with a family member, with a friend, with somebody from church. And this makes sure that you're not walking your Christian life alone. So many things provided. So no matter how hard you try to gain a new perspective or to eliminate stinking thinking on your own, it ain't happening without the power of God's word. This is God's way. His thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours. And that's what there is to it. Now, there's an older teen I know who has been struggling with the way she perceives herself. Writing down three personal great qualities she has and three not-so-great personal ones, she went through what I see people go through all the time. Quickly jot down the negative stuff, take a long time to write the positive, sometimes not being able to come up with the third positive one. Stinking thinking. Now, as she is digging into the truths of who she is in Christ, she is accepted, she is secure, she is significant, with specific scriptures that are telling her all the wonderful ways God sees her and loves her, no matter what anybody else says, no matter what circumstances say, her mind is being renewed because she's knowing the truth from God about who she is and how God sees her, right? She's looking at herself in a new mirror. And as a matter of fact, one of the things she is doing is that she goes into the mirror, looks at herself, says her name, and says, so-and-so is accepted in Christ. So-and-so is secure in Christ. So-and-so is significant in Christ. Talking about herself. That is so wonderful. And not so much looking into the other mirror of lies, 
which says she is so negative and she is no good and what the heck continue living. Not at all. And very importantly, she is walking all this out with another Christian by her side. So this practice of focusing on the Bible brings us our second way that is this will produce thoughts full of right matters, right ideas, right foundations, right principles. No? And this helps us stop settling on self-criticism, fear, anger, offenses, and the negativity that produces unhealthy outcomes. Allow these thoughts to shape your behavior. The mind begins to heal. That's why when we fill our thoughts with right things, the wrong ones have no room to enter. Right? That's even a scientific rule, right? You're full of good things, the bad things, you crowd them out, and they have no space to return. This radical way of filling our minds with truth and all good things can be a challenge, can be a challenge, especially during difficult times. We have thoughts of condemnation and guilt, which reveal sometimes what we're believing inside, but so much of that is not true. None of that is true because we are never condemned by the Lord. We are only convinced. We are only convicted, right? So God has promised to keep in perfect peace the one whose mind is intentionally stayed on him. This scripture, right, in Isaiah 26, 3, those of steadfast mind you keep in, t in peace. Steadfast, intentional. In peace because they trust you. So we do this purposely. We do this all the time. And this takes us to our third strategy. This word of God will continuously guard your mind, guard your heart. We have to be guarding all the time. Guard your heart, guard your mind. Listen to these other two scriptures which says, guard your heart over all else for it determines the course of your life. Out of there, out of there comes the behavior. Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. So this third strategy is about protecting our hearts as well as our minds from whatever openly persuades us or invite us into temptations, such as habits that can turn into addictions, any sexual sin, infidelity, pornography, damaged relationships that you may say, well, I, you know, I'm not all to that big thing. Well, it can also save us from lying, from gossiping, right? Anything that we would miss the mark, guarding our hearts and our minds will keep us away from that. There's two other scriptures that are not there, but say the spirit wants us to do what is right, but the body is weak. We need to recognize our weakness like we sang this morning. The spirit wants us to do what is right, but the body is weak. And in 1 John, it says, don't love the ways of the world. Wanting your own way. Wanting everything for yourself. Wanting to appear important. This has nothing to do with the father. So, the food that enters the mind 
must be watched as closely as the food that enters the body. Garbage in, garbage out. This phrase was coined by an IBM program instructor when he was teaching his students that a computer just processes what it's given. And it became a rule. Bad input will produce bad output. Uh, output. We do things we think about, thankfully not everything, but we don't do things we don't think about. Think about this, right? Again, we do things we think about. So what are those thoughts we're thinking about? But we don't do things we don't think about. That's why we have to change this thinking. So we will think about things that will make us do the right things. This is a huge reason why it's absolutely necessary to focus on God's best for us because that's what we're going to walk out. Garbage from the outside programs us wrong. And it comes at us every day, many times of the day. Beware. Please stop believing the lie. None of the garbage is going to hurt me. You know, I'm, not, I'm immune to all those tricks of the devil. It's time to start believing that it doesn't matter what I read. It doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter who I hang with. And we're very prone to say, well, those are those teens, you know, that, you know what? You can be in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 50s, in your 60s, in your 70s, in your 80s. Beware. Beware. We're all susceptible, vulnerable to these tricks. There's a scripture, I didn't bring it today, but talks about making a covenant with your eyes about what you see. And I would add a covenant with your ears to what you're hearing. And a covenant with your mouth at what you say. You're covering with your feet at where you go. You're covering the hands at what you touch. Yeah. Beware. That is being very gullible when we think, eh, that's not going to bother me. A mind given by God and not used to know him and serve him is a terrible thing to waste. A mind given by God and not used to know him and to serve him is a terrible thing to waste. Now, I would like to refer to a, strat a strategy that, in my opinion, is the most intense and effective. Negative thoughts are not going to leave on their own. They are not. God has made provision for us to overcome in this raging battle over our minds. And there it is. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Hallelujah. So important words, weapons given from God. Divine power, they really work. Demolish. Hmm, we're going to talk about that. 
three things here that we're supposed to demolish. One, strongholds. Now, a stronghold is a place where a cause or a belief is strongly defended or upheld. So, right up here. Beliefs, causes that are not godly. Oh, but they're up here. Arguments. A set of reasons given with the aim of persuading. First, the world's persuading us, persuading us. Oh, and maybe it goes here. Now we're ready to persuade anybody who wants to tell us that, hey, that's not God's word. Oh, no, no, no. And we have arguments. Or pretension, an allegation of doubtful value. So we have things that eh, we're not sure, but they surely sound good. Because, you know, sin always sounds good. Temporarily. And has pleasure temporarily. And it sounds good until we absolutely know what God says about it. Then we know. So what is God's mandate? Demolish, demolish, demolish. This renovation is only possible by aligning our thoughts with the truth of God's word. Arranging these thoughts with God's word, positioning our thoughts with God's word, lining our thoughts up with God's word by a strategy called recognize, replace, reinforce. What is this all about? Recognize, replace, reinforce. Learn to recognize thoughts that are not true. And of course, the way we start recognizing is because we know it doesn't sound like the word. Intentionally capture each thought that comes into your mind and compare it with the word of God, with God's promises for your life. And you can ask yourself, this thought that I'm having right now, does it reflect God's word, what it says about this situation I'm in? Or does it reflect a lie that does not represent God's heart for me? If it's not... I cast it away, I take it captive, I reject its influence in my life. This is real work. It's God's mandate. Replace, then you replace that thought with the truth of God's word. You respond to it with a specific scripture. So if you know they don't agree with the word, again, you replace them with a promise from God's word. And it can literally be as simple as asking Holy Spirit to bring to your remembrance a scripture that is opposite of this lie, of this battle that you're facing currently. Then you have that scripture, you have those scriptures, and you reinforce this truth you have chosen to believe every time the same thought comes again. Because believe you me, it's going to come again, it's going to come again, it's going to come again. Because the enemy doesn't stop. He has nothing else to do but bug us. So when it comes, we are going to again reject and replace. We already have this, right? And a way you can accelerate this process is write down your newly created biblical affirmation. Right? Do something where you can have it visible. You can post it, let's say, uh, on your desk, in your bathroom mirror. And for those who it's, it's about their phone, right, look it up in your phone. And then put reminders 
I need to remember this word. At 9, it reminds you. At 12, it reminds you. At 3, it reminds you. At 6, it reminds you. Before you get it, remind, as much as you need. Because you can say, this battle is so tough, I can't seem to get it out of my head. Reminders. The alarm goes up. You go to read the word. It's a true thing to do. For many months, I have been recognizing wrong thoughts and how I allowed them to control a specific aspect of my life. I was diagnosed as a diabetic in my 40s and, and have seen how this condition has so affected my extended family, everyone in my family, my brothers and sisters, diabetic. Now, my thoughts concerning this what sort of hum-ho, you know? Healthy, healthy eating, exercise, monitoring glucose, there were things that I neither readily adopted nor stuck to. My thoughts, I'm going to be okay. It's really not that bad. You know, what's one or six more pieces of chocolate going to hurt me? I will start my eating plan tomorrow. And what happened to so-and-so will never happen to me. Just some examples of my negative thinking. Food has always been an excessive love of mine. Have you heard the expression, I've never met a meal I didn't like? Yes. So to put it bluntly, food controlled me most of my life. And needless to say, my health got much worse before it got better. And wrong thinking will do that to you. Did it to me. Holy Spirit has been helping me to start renewing my mind concerning this health condition and the place I have given food in my life. I have intentionally replaced wrong thoughts and reinforced right thinking by prayer, purposeful actions, and, of course, the help of others in my life. You always need others, right? Specifically, my journey of recovery family, which, of course, includes my husband. So before meals, I pray scripture that relates to my specific struggles, such as the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit. Not only of bread shall men, shall I, live, right? But on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. The other one that talks about walking the sal our, our, our salvation with fear and trembling, I many times say, Ooh, I am going to eat this meal with fear and trembling. Right? I remember reading in a devotion where a woman was saying, asking God, God, let, let me never find myself alone with a plate of spaghettis. Know your struggle. And prayers such as, I do not live to eat. I eat to live for strength, healing, and wholeness to serve you and serve others. I live for you. Praying it, saying it, reminding it, me, remind, right, renewing my mind. I also sometimes pray, food is provision for your from your hands. Food is not my God. You are my God. And other times, I tell the Lord, Lord, I'm eating with gratitude, with humility, with awe with fear and trembling and thanksgiving. Some of the, the same attacks and temptations come back, and I'm not going to say that I haven't missed the mark from time to time. 
But now I see the struggle and understand it from another position, from a God has started to brand in my mind as right thinking. I can tell you about a pastor who helps his church identify wrong thinking and replacing lies with truth. And he tells them, you're not a sick person trying to get healed. You're a healthy person fighting sickness. You're not a bound person trying to get free. You're a free person fighting bondage. You are not a sinner trying to get holy. You're a saint fighting sin. What a different way to see it. We have to stop believing these excuses. My mind is so negative because my life is so hard. Have you ever considered that your life is so hard because your mind is so negative? Getting rid of the chaos in the mind happens as this gets filled up with the truth that sets us free. Negative thoughts do not have to stay. Believe it. Another lie. I cannot control my thoughts. They control me. Let's repent of this lie. God expects you to choose your thoughts and not allow them to be decided by other people's mindsets. We have a choice of focusing on the right things or going with the flow of whatever hits us, right? So a particular mindset of another person or of the culture does not have to control you. God has given you, me, everything we need to control our mind. So God is asking, well, by the God is insisting, demanding that you come into agreement with God's design for your life. And it helps us when we believe the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 2.16, where it says, but we have the mind of Christ. Having the mind of Christ means sharing the plan and the perspective of Christ that is revealed in the word. And it is something that all believers possess, the mind of Christ. Belongs to every Christian. And I want to leave you with three things, truths concerning the mind of Christ. First, the mind of Christ stands completely opposite to the wisdom of man. What are we going to believe? The mind of Christ involves wisdom from God, once hidden, but now revealed. And third, the mind of Christ is given to believers through the spirit of God. Can you believe it? Can you believe it and make this yours? I would ask you to close your eyes for a moment so we can just focus on Christ, nothing around us. I ask, why would we want to live according to the untruths that surround us when we have this supernatural, extraordinary, unparalleled, and undeserved gift of the mind of Christ? Let's take a moment and ask our Father to forgive us for putting our thoughts and our ways and our wants over his.
let's tell him we want to demolish strongholds, arguments, pretensions that have nothing to do with him. So nothing can conquer our minds except his word, his will, and his way. I want to pray over us because I am very included in this message. Father God, your word has touched our hearts and convinced us, convicted us of our daily need of renewing our minds to give place to your mind, the mind of Christ. Help us remember that you have spoken specifically what you have spoken specifically to each of us, that we might obey your command and respond completely to your call. We need you, and we will follow these commands. Hallelujah. Now, there may be someone here or online, wherever you are, that cannot answer God's call today because they have never invited Jesus into their hearts as their Lord and Savior. You know about Jesus, but you don't have a relationship with him. If you believe he died for your sins and that the, and that the Father raised him up from death to give you eternal life, you can do this. You can ask him to forgive your sins and come into your heart, and this will be a new beginning. A new beginning that God wants for you so you can have this mind of Christ. So if there's anybody here that would like to make this monumental decision this morning, and it doesn't matter, nobody else, it matters to nobody else, so please don't look around. But if anybody here wants to do it or renew because they haven't been thinking or living right, you can lift up your hand just to who I know I can pray, who I'm praying for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray together. Father, I do need a Savior. I believe Jesus died for my sins and was raised to life again. Forgive my sins and come into my heart. Thank you for a new beginning as your child. For others who have prayed, I'm sorry, for others who have raised their hand to do this prayer. Father, I understand that I, not have, that I have not been living 
against, uh, for your word. I thank you that this morning, I understand that I need to change the roots and live for you. Forgive my sin and help me to walk a right life according to the mind of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we are thanking and celebrating not only for those who have come to the Lord, but those who have renewed their pact with God to live according to Jesus' mind. Now, if anybody here prayed that prayer of accepting Jesus, please let somebody know, an usher, a pastor, somebody who's sitting in your row. Um, and those who have renewed their commitment to the Lord, you can also tell somebody else so somebody else can rejoice with you. Now, if online anybody has uh, made the decision to receive Jesus, please let us know. You can go on our website, restlifenewyork.org, and let us know so we can celebrate with you. And if you want us to contact you, if you want us, then you leave a, some contact information. You know, today, go forward into this week using your godly tools, your weapons, to renew your mind and choose to think with the mind of Christ. Now, before we leave, uh, Ms. Lynn has some information to share with us. <laughs> 